Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And I forgot my new life. A frankly fascinated first-timer. A first frankly timer. fascinated first-timer. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story, story so Farscape. Farscape. Wow, we have a lot to catch up on. We have. It's like a new season with a new first episode. And wow, is it an episode? I mean, It is yes. an episode. Yes. It is. They generally are. But no, I, I get what you mean. Because... Okay, so normally you would jump in here and you would do a fantastic retelling of the entire story so far, but can you imagine the challenge that Ricky Manning had in writing this episode, season two, episode one, Mind the Baby? Uh, You know what? I'm actually doing that off memory. Let me just think really hard. Can you talk yes, while, sure. I'm, um, while I'm thinking while really you're hard? Thinking, whether that's thinking with your uh, with answer my, phone. The, sh- 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 <laughs> don't tell him. Okay, so there's, um, yeah, the story so far, Scape, has been John Crichton, our American astronaut, or actually IASA astronaut, who is being flung uh, to a far corner of the galaxy, and he has been making his way through with his new band of friends and family, I suppose, oh, very uh, good. on board of a living ship, Moya, who has recently given birth to a, a small living ship uh, by the the name of Boya? No. Tallinn. Okay, Tallinn. Okay, <laughs> come on. Aaron had that honor. Not, not you gave him a weird name, but I, I appreciate you. And there's been a little bit of fighting going on. The, the uh, insane military commander has seemingly uh, regained his senses, as we can see by his much more coiffed and composed hairstyle. I, my, my theory of Kreis's mental state <laughs> being able to be read by his hair is still holding strong. Oh, yeah. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. He has held his breath and retracted all the follicles on his face. <laughs> He has smoothed his hair back down. He's back in his little... Uh, has got some coconut oil in there. Must smell lovely. Yeah. Oh, dear. Or maybe pomade. Pomade? Pomade? <laughs> I'm a dapper dad, man. I don't want fop. <laughs> he does look like a bit of a fop. I'll give him that. But uh, Oh, were I ever to do like a proper cosplay of anyone, it would be crazy. Wow, that <sighs> uniform, you, you the hair. Easy, you could easily pull that off. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. So I was having a think remember, about whether it sorry. was indeed Ricky Manning. And yeah, he got this job of uh, writing the first episode of the second season. A second season that at the writing of the end of the first was not guaranteed. Uh, the numbers were good, but there was a lot of things against them. There was the uh, there was the construction of the uh, Sydney Olympics was underway. There was uh, the filming of Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones that took over their... their Studio. Uh, yeah. So they had to find another place to film. There was another one. Moulin Rouge was also claiming stuff. So suddenly there were all these big productions in the vicinity of Sydney, and Plucky Little Farscape had to find somewhere that they could afford to shoot. They wound up finding they weren't exactly sound stages they were i think they were converted warehouses in hobush okay. bay so it was a two-hour trip out of sydney it's to the quite west quite a drive yeah yeah do that every day and then get in makeup yeah oh damn uh, i assume they found something nearby to stay or something especially dargo and zan would be in uh, makeup for a long time hey since we just watched this episode have you noticed anything different about moya does it feel different not yet, not really. It seemed that the shots seemed to be a little bit more close in than they were. I noticed they dropped the the big open uh, den for pilot again. It's like it all seems again back to the more cozy little uh, shots that they're oh, taking see, of that's him. That's interesting. Okay, we'll get to we'll get to pilot's den. I've been told I haven't been able to notice it myself. Whether the ceilings are lower because the new the new warehouses they didn't have the same dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, nor the same, uh, it's got to be said, uh, soundproofing. Like, uh, one of the problems that they had in uh, in Fox Studios was that they couldn't, like, record audio and run the air conditioning at the at, same time. Yes. But they just didn't bother recording any audio now at all because they basically had corrugated tin roofs. So when it rained, oh, they it really had like to rattling. yell just to be able to hear each other. So, oh, wow, yeah, don't even that, bother. That's really hard. So they all did the audio in, uh, I don't know what it's called. Where they basically... ADR, that is Automated Dialogue Recording. Okay. 
uh, a, a process that uh, some of them were already quite familiar with. Uh, Kreis, uh, sorry, Lani Tupu yeah. was also the voice for for pilots, so yeah. he already spent hours per episode in a little booth. So did John Hardy, who came in and did the voice for uh, Rigel. Yes, uh, the late John looks, Hardy. He even looks a bit like John, like Rigel. I thought I saw a photo of him the other yes, day. Yes, it's the it's eyebrows, like, right? Yes, it is very much. Those the are eyebrows. his actual eyebrows. John Hardy was blessed with just very bushy eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. So I was wondering about that, um, specifically about Lani Tupu. Did he get to be on set when they were shooting scenes with Pilot? Very good question. Initially, yes. It, it helped with the performance. It helped the actors get to know the, the, the character. But it was just logistically problematic. Okay. Um, because those scenes would be spread out over several days. I can also understand it. Like, Lani Tupu is a working actor. Yeah. Uh, uh, gets paid probably per episode rather than, uh, than per hour. hour. Yeah. Right. Um, and occasionally, like, he'd have to play Kreis as well, and those were quite different responsibilities. Right. I mean, when he's when he's out playing Kreis, he's going to be on set anyway, at least for the days that he's supposed to be shooting scenes. True. But I can imagine that, like they did with Jar Jar Binks, they had the uh, the voice actor, like, running around on set. And, uh, the but, but the they luminous even gave, Ahmed Best. Yes, but they even, and they even gave him a big hat with a... Uh, um, with the eye stalks to get the eye right, line so the like actors look would, at the yeah. right place. I believe it was actually more of a mask that they put on, like the masks they wear for the Lion King stage show production. You know, where, oh, they, where, yes. where they have the head, uh, extra, the headdress yes. on top, where, uh, oh, yeah, both to give them the extra height and to uh, give the actors more of a thing to look at. Yeah. Not, not just yeah. the eye stalks, like they had, uh, I think it was in, uh, what's that, Dragonheart or something, that movie where Sean Connery uh, voices the dragon? Yeah, which Draco. Most, yeah, yeah, where most of it was like, Actors like playing towards a broom with a few golf balls stuck or, or tennis balls stuck onto it, so that it <laughs> yes. could like. I remember in one of the Harry Potter films, it, it literally says in the credits that the role of Dobby was portrayed by an orange ball on a stick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know these are interesting questions. This actually goes for a lot of the performers. Some of the production has changed. the uh, The performer, the puppeteer for Rigel, used to be. Oh God, am I going to say it right? Uh, the original puppeteer for Rigel was Johnny Eccleston. Yeah. He was British, and he went back to England. Uh, and so the second season, uh, someone else took over, I think Tim Meerville. But Johnny Eccleston, he was Rigel to the crew because he was on yeah. set. He was uh, he actually had his hand in, in Rigel's mouth. He would sit with the actors beforehand and bro- go, go through the lines. Portray uh, the, the scene. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But then, like, after, I think even the whole season had wrapped, then John Hardy came in and did the AGR for, for Rigel. So when the actors saw... Rigel performed on screen for the first time. It was a completely different voice. Than right. That. that must have been like uh, Darth Vader in the original uh, oh, Star gosh. Trek. Yes. <laughs> Star Where? Wars movie, of course. Uh, what was his name? Prowse? Uh, David Prowse, David. yes. Yes. And who had this like weird Scottish accent and it's hilarious to watch the actual, <laughs> the onstage audio for the scenes, especially when he's like harassing uh, Leia in the uh, corridor. And it just sounds, oh. it sounds so weird to have him like say You that are part of the Rebel Alliance <laughs> yes, right. and a traitor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, bless. It sounds, well, weird. Let's put it like you that. You know, I wonder if David Prowse is related to Andrew Prowse. He's the Australian director who was the supervising director on, the, I want to say the whole first season, I think the whole series. No. Uh, yeah, and for the... For this episode as well. You can always tell that it's an Andrew Prowse episode when there's a lot of stuff in the foreground, like between the camera right. and I, the actors. I, not- I noticed that, especially in the opening scenes of the episode when I was wondering, like, okay, are they being watched? They're on this asteroid, and it's all shot, basically... Oh, wait, the, the intro music! Yes, okay, so we open... Actually, we don't open on the asteroid. No, we yet. don't. We open on the Moya, where Moya is being shot at, by presumably by the command carrier. Uh, oh, no, it's the Sheyang. 
Okay. Do you remember? They're the, they're the fire-breathing lizard people from PK oh, Tech okay. So they reused, like, the effect shot of the Sheyang, like, plasma cannon weapon. Okay, so that was a bit weird. Like, it, it seemed odd that they were being shot at, and it gets never mentioned yeah. again. It's just yeah. like a little... It basically... It, it's it's used to throw the crewing show the crewing crisis. Pilot is like desperately yep. trying to like uh, get Moya out of the way of fire. Rigel is being his own useless self. Chana is just like having a little bit of panic, and Zan is having a full blown meltdown. Yeah, she's totally out of it. Yeah, this is okay. Welcome to uh, episode one, where the most responsible person on Moya is, is Chiana. Chiana. San, San, do something, Dagger. He can help him. No, no, no. He can talk no. to them. Listen to me. Dago, Dago is gone. Yes. <laughs> oh, they're in trouble. But this was all a dream that Dargo is having. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, your surprise I missed is that. Some, yeah. No, I was totally there with you. For many years, I've been confused of this scene. It was only when I was doing the research that, oh, apparently everyone assumes, and the writers indicated, that it is a dream that he's having. Oh, because Dargo, of course, was spaced together with Crichton, except Dargo wasn't wearing a spacesuit. And yeah. he was doing pretty well. And he is now uh, being tended by Crichton, who is, like, talking to him, trying to wake him. Man, this is getting old. At least you can do is talk in your sleep. <laughs> what would you like me to say? Oh, Anthony Singro did such a good job here. I thought it was a very different, like, energy for Dargo. Dargo. Yes, very much so. Because he asked him, do you, do you know who I am? Yes, I know who you are, John, but I do not recognize this place. And, whoa, it was yeah, intensity. Because, of course, last time he came out of this coma, he was, like, completely uh, lost in his own memories. Yes, everyone, yeah. Because he thought they were, like, his old family. Now they're just on an asteroid, which apparently they have uh, been brought to by Erin, who picked him up in her prowler, and who, as we learned just before the opening credits is making a deal with Crace. Or God, is like what an incredible amount of information we're fed here. These were the days where probably the DVDs had barely come out mm-hmm. uh, for season one. So, like... That quick? I, I was going to say barely. Like, yeah. you probably, uh, as a viewer, you had to remember what happened in the last episode of last season, and it would have been a few months ago. Yeah. So this episode would have to catch you up. Because, but it doesn't really do that. It's just it it just throws you right back in. There's a few mentions to what was going on, but most of all, it stands very much on its own. See, okay, this is so impressive. I was sitting here just marveling at how much exposition Ricky Manning managed to plunge in. Stuff like at one point, Crace is in prison and talking about how he is reevaluating his future. And mm-hmm. Dargo says like a prison cell is a great place to do that. Yeah. Yes, the the Pau uh, accomplished a lot while he was in here. <laughs> like bam, backstory, backstory, True, backstory, yeah. uh, left and right. Ricky Manning was just walking through the set with. Nerf gun, just blasting everyone with exposition. Like, remember this, tell them about that, make sure you remind them that that was happening. But yeah, they're on an asteroid, and they don't have any food, they have very little water, and plenty of air, apparently. And Erin's been using her prowler to go out and about and find these things while... Crichton is tending the uh, tending to Dargo. The unconscious Dargo. Yeah. But secretly, she has made a deal. Don't forget I have to give Crichton a reason for my absence. He still has no knowledge of our arrangement? None. It, it seems that she's been, like, yeah, gone over to his side. Yeah. Uh, Christ, of course, who stole uh, Talon in the last episode... Yeah, whom he's still he's still captaining. Crace uh, interestingly asks whether whether Aaron has told John about their arrangement, encourages her to tell the truth. Yeah, uh, and she won't. Only when it's too late for him to interfere. It really suggests that like she's working on betraying them, or she's made a uh, pact with Crace and is like. What were you thinking? What was going through your mind here? Because now we go to the credits. Mm. 
I was really thinking about what is going on. What's Aaron up to? Is she like just playing playing along? Has she actually been made an offer that she can't refuse? Which yeah. makes no sense because like Chris has holds no power with the peacekeepers anymore. He's ousted just as much as she is. But yeah. the implication seems to be that she and him like okay, well now we're both out and. She's still clinging to her Sebastian ways, I suppose, or at least a little bit of her own species. Uh, and that, yeah, that, that seemed yeah. to be an, a possible connection, that they're like, okay, maybe she's made some sort of deal that they're going to go off with Talon on their own. Yeah. I, like, you don't really have a lot to go on, but it's the strength of, of Claudia Black's performance. Mm. It's, it's so sinister. Yes, very much. On the other hand, we have Chana on uh, Moya trying to get Rigel to eat. And you know something's wrong when Rigel doesn't want to eat. <laughs> yeah, she's flabbergasted. astonished. Like, Rigel, eat! I can't eat. What, you... you can't eat? Did you notice, by the way, so Rigel, he's got his earbrows waxed and yes. he's got his moustache waxed as well. His puppet has had a, a, an upgrade, a glow-up, so it's got a yes. different paint job, but it's also got new animatronics in the mouth. Oh, yeah. You notice how much better he talks and, like... Emo- I mean, his mouth has always been very expressive. It's... Can you believe that was just a thumb? That was all oh, the control I mean, I've, yeah, I've that seen, Johnny Eccleston had about the... Yeah. I've, you've seen Jim Henson playing uh, Kermit, you know? It's just a, oh, yeah. a, a sock yeah. over it, like, and it's just it gives him so much control, and he gives such brilliant expression. Yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not surprised that you can do, no, do that course. just by like, tugging your fingers around inside a... a Henson a, a, a puppeteer, puppet. yeah. like, knows the wrinkles, and knows the pressure, and left does this, exactly. and right they're does just, that. They're just sitting there, like, probably without, with that puppet in their lap for hours, just practicing and doing what happens when I do this, how can I, yeah. how can I repeat that how can I give him a smug expression or an angry yeah, expression? Uh, and he nobody, needs both of those. Nobody does smug like Roger was. <laughs> yeah, this was one of one of many luxuries. Hey, this episode was actually going to be the second episode. Oh, it was actually intended to be the second episode. A different episode was going to be uh, was going to be first and was swapped around, but not by the studio. This was a production decision that that happened later. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the creature shop was actually quite happy with that because. That gave them some extra time for this episode where they could do stuff like give, give Rigel a glow up yeah. after they came back from their, their summer holidays, uh, give some new animatronics and a remote control system so he wouldn't always have to be cabled. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't always have to struggle to fit one or more like six foot 19 men in, in a stage behind this puppet. Yeah. Uh, and also Dargo. Have you noticed he Dargo? Does- Dargo looks very pretty. I mean, I, I commented it on it while we were watching the episode that he looks extremely he more handsome, gorgeous, even more right? so than he did. I mean, he's always been well-groomed. But he, oh, yes. Uh, and, of course, his eyes and mouth, he's got such beautiful, shining eyes. Yes, he's a, he's a gorgeous man. I mean, it really comes to the fore now that he's got a tan. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Oh, oh, we're going to have to. You'll notice it the, the, the next time. His skin texture has changed somewhat. Oh, okay. He's got slightly more more sort of wrinkles in the, in, in the forehead. It's a much darker hue. He got a space tan. Well, yes, of From, course. I mean, yeah. like, no atmosphere will give you, like, a hell of a UV bombardment. So I guess that will... <laughs> yeah. I mean, having spending a lot of time on Moya and not on planets will do that. So on Moya, they have installed some sort of shielding system, which the RDs are trying to repair. We aren't entirely defenseless. Huh. As good as... All we have is that antiquated defense screen we took from the wreck of the Zelbinian. This pile of dren. Well, is it even functional? I'll have the DRDs give it a thorough going over. Uh, yeah, I thought this was clever. That also, that's the defense screen from the Zelbinian, yes. which was the same episode where we met the Sheyang. Yeah, oh, from, right. And that, 
So I think that was a a smart little trigger to remind you of that episode. And yeah, apparently they pulled one of the uh, defense screens off of the uh, uh, Zelbinian, which is never mentioned on screen. No, I don't don't think so. Uh, Scorpius, in the meantime, is having a new glow stick installed. Uh, (laughs) Oh, what did you think of this? It looks kind of odd. He's got this, like, thing screwing out of his head like his data. and A a cylinder with all of these rods, one of them glowing that sort of, like, spins and minces out of his brain. Yeah, it must have been... It means a lot of empty space in there, so I guess... It goes, like, right behind his eyes, so that must be a really weird thing. But he gets a red glow stick replaced by a blue glow stick, and then it spins back in, and we have the, I think, still yet unnamed lieutenant. Played gets, by... Uh, gets, a bit of, gets a bit of a talking to. Yeah, I mean, he comes up, and he, and he talks about the... the, by, uh, the All patrols still report nothing, sir. Uh, no signal from the Leviathan offspring, no trace of Crichton. Nothing. Because he's he's a little astonished to, to see, um, well, this intimate orifice of his boss being being having, having refreshed, a, yeah. yeah, being inserted to something into by his nurse. Hey, you're going to have to carry the ball on the plot of yeah. this episode, okay? Because while I was watching, I was just marveling at all oh, the production. Oh, you can see the ceilings are lower. <gasps> oh, he's got the tan. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Um, Aaron. So, no, yeah. hold on, I've got to right. stop you, because oh. what did you notice that was different about Scorpius, aside from the fact that he has some stuff coming out of his head? Oh, I don't know. I mean, his teeth were still... His he helmet still had shiny. Gloves. Come oh. on, Kay. Pay, are you even watching this show? He's got a shiny helmet instead of a matte helmet now. So he just had, like, his his gimp suit... Uh, uh, Waxed. Paxed, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, polished up a little bit. I mean, everybody needs a good leather polish once in a while. Uh, yes, I wonder if I it was... No, I hadn't noticed. No, you, you didn't notice that... Scorpy had his helmet polished? Okay, no. carry uh, us through. Yes, Erin shows up on Talon, where she has a bit of a, a discussion with Crace. Crace is uh, tr- pleading with Talon, trying to get him to behave, power down, because Scorpius has just ordered the plan that he had a few episodes ago. It's like to bombard yeah. him with disconcerting uh, radio messages. And it's it's wearing on young Talon. He's like getting nervous. He's anxious. He's afraid of his mother even, I think. He doesn't, like he's already he in his teenage so phase confused. where he doesn't want to be uh, want to be with his mother. But Erin manages to calm him down and get him to power down and just like oh it's not Aaron though it is Aaron gets uh, gets Talon to open up about what it is that's making him so afraid and that's when Talon show, uh, uh, lets them hear the, the signals yes. which they realise is oh, oh this right, is bollocks yes. Talon these signals mean nothing they're intended to alarm you and to make you run Talon do not play into the hand of your enemy remain right where you are you're brave enough to do that aren't you yeah, he's definitely developing a rapport with uh, Talon here, or at and, least uh, trying to. How did you feel about that? Because I I remember being astonished at how like sincere and empathetic Grace was. This is not his command style. This is not how we've seen him no. treat his underlings. Like he is, he's he seems to genuinely be relating to Talon as a. He has already shown in the past that he knows quite a lot about Talon's development, how he was bred and designed. Yeah. Uh, and this is, yeah, it, it seems that he had some intimate involvement with that in the past. Of course, when, when Moya was still under his control. Uh, That's right, because she was in his, uh, in his battle and, group. And, yeah, uh, having uh, Talon available and as a, a gunship, as, that, uh, as he's frequently referred to during this episode. The gunship. 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 You're a gunship. Warrior would move to fight. 
but you're not yet strong enough to take on a command carrier. It has been, clearly been part of his long-term plan, uh, probably originally to get his way with the peacekeepers and be a better co- commander, or at least a more useful commander. But now well, he stole Talon, and he's clearly moving on towards wanting to, yeah, make his way off with him and like be his own person, uh, yeah, do his own thing, examine his path, free yep. for the peacekeepers. Yep. Though not necessarily alone, because. I mean, okay, so Aaron's in this scene. Uh, she's touching the ceiling, which she does often on the yeah. On the, on she's the very, commander. very, very affectionate with uh, Talon. I it's a, that. it's a great sort of Ellen Ripley look that she's got right. with, the, oh, yes. with the dirty tank top, and uh, like her and Grace, they get awfully close. Like yes. normally, only Crichton gets to be this close while they're having a private conversation. Yes, yeah. But I noticed that later on as well, when you see Crichton and Christ, they're all, always all very close. And even when he's got a gun, he'll still turn his back towards Christ. And uh, yeah, yeah they're, he's very trusting in that regard for some odd reason. Back on the asteroid, we've got uh, uh, John teaching Dargo to play uh, uh, rock, paper, scissors. Yes. Where, which Dargo really enjoys. Again? Yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> Again, I win. Claiming that I win again. Like, no, no, paper pa- defeats. No, paper cannot possibly be rock. It does. Paper beats rock. Rock rips through paper. Dargo, that's not how it works. A rock would rip right through the paper. That is it's unrealistic. Like- <laughs> it's such good banter. It's not meant to be realistic. It's meant to be fun. Well, it's the rules, and it's not supposed to be realistic. It's supposed to be entertaining. My coma was more entertaining. It's a kid's game. While they're sitting in front of uh, uh, like a wall with a painting on it that sort of looks like the uh, the peacekeeper symbol, except oh. it's like a red sphere with a red cone in it. It was meant to be some sort of abandoned mining colony, I believe. Right. That they said that it was uh, capable of sustaining life. They had the atmosphere there, and we also learned that it was Crace who gave Erin the coordinates for yeah. this uh, for this asteroid after she'd picked up Dargo and Creighton in her prowler. She couldn't get back to Moya. Moya, Moya had starbursted away. Yep. Uh, and the command carrier is obviously not an option, but Chris radioed her the coordinates of this, and she made her way there uh, to save uh, John and Dargo. And in exchange, she would help Chris win Talon's trust. That yes. was the devil's bargain that, they, that, she she, to that she made. And they agreed to share command, I believe, they say, at a certain point. Yeah. This does not go over well with John and Dargo when she no. admits it to them. Uh, like She comes she's, clean. She's not, but she's not even very like impressed with Dargo being alive, even though he is. Mm. Uh, uh, she sort of moves past that almost immediately. She's so like wrapped up in in her conspiracy, in her guilt, in whatever that she doesn't even spare a moment just to just to revel in the fact that her friend's alive. Yes, she's apparently still going off on her own, uh, looking for food and drink. I mean, she found some water, but which is not going to sustain them. Yeah. Uh, there's a long argument between Aaron and uh, John, which gets cut short by uh, Dargo basically giving Aaron a tongue lashing, knocking her out in Ugh. one flash. Yeah, he calls it a time saver. Yes. Which, well, well, it's, I mean, it's true. Wow, okay. Then uh, John uh, Rochambeau's uh, Dargo's Myvonks for the rights to uh, go to. <laughs> it's rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Again. Yeah, because they have a little, like, both of them have beef with Grace. Basically, uh, Dargo says, like, I know Chris, and then John goes, you think I don't know him? And it's Yeah, you know, I don't think that Dargo's claim to, to hate Chris is really as well established. Like, no. We remarked on that in, in the um, final episode. I mean, episode. He, he was his jailer, but that's pretty much it, I think. Why would they have ever necessarily met? How yeah, many prisoners true. have met their, their jailer? Like, he's a, 
it, it's one of at least like three other uh, uh, Leviathans you saw originally in uh, in Crace's battle group. Oh, I didn't never I never noticed there were more Leviathans there. Oh, they're tiny. Blink and you'll miss it. But, okay. So, yeah, he has one full carrier and a few smaller craft and uh, a few collared a collared uh, collared Leviathans. Yeah. But this time it's John who uh, who wins conclusively, inarguably. Scissors defeat Paper, yep. and uh, Dargo accepts that. Chiana uh, goes and finds Zan, who is meditating or something like that. She's got this gorgeous like collar or necklace or whatever it is, which looks like it's made out of yes. floating stones, uh, which she's wearing. Uh, I think she's worn it before, but it it's really beautifully lit here, and it's so ethereal. Because she is like soul searching or something, she's like trying to go on the ninth path or whatever it is. Yeah, she has returned to the Delvian Seek, the uh, the that religious practice. Oh, that was it. Yes, the Seek, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and she's awfully cold. Like she even. Yes. I mean, she can hear Chiana coming. And she says, "You have thirty microts." Like only after Chiana says, "Like, okay, I need to, I need to talk." And what are you going to do? And she's basically, it's like, I'm not going to do anything. Did you get all that? Yes. So you do it. No. I'm just completely withdrawn. I'm just like... Worldly concerns are not are None not of mine, mine anymore. And, uh, because Chiana is the only one who's dealing with the fact that Moya wants to return to the asteroid field to find her child. The exact opposite of what was originally their plan. Moya uh, starbursted to safety to escape the command carrier that is still patrolling the asteroid field where uh, where Talon and John Aaron and Dargo and Crace are all hiding. It's an incredibly complicated situation that, it is. that they're left in. I can just and imagine Ricky Manning screaming, screaming, screaming. What am I going to do? Constantly shifting loyalties or at least the appearance thereof. Yeah. And uh, it, what, what does everybody want? And that's, I, I thought that was a lovely, uh, well, not a lovely scene, but Crace actually contacts Scorpius. Yes, Crace gets Scorpius on the phone and gives him a status update, even admonishes him for sending out these uh, these signals to upset Talon because I'm still working on the uh, on getting the, the gunship's uh, uh, loyalty. I'm still working on getting uh, Aaron to tell us where, where John is. He is in cahoots with Scorpius. Scorpius only cares about, about John. John. So there's another layer of manipulation, but it's almost immediately undone because after mm-hmm. he hangs up the phone with Scorpius, he talks to Talon. Talon. You heard Scorpius. You are not his concern. Talon, right. you heard that, right? This is what he thinks of you. He thinks that you're just a tool. This is how peacekeepers deal with their right. with, yes. with their own. Like, But I'm your daddy. This is how the peacekeepers treat their own. You, me, Officer Sun. But we are alike now. Orphaned from all we ever knew. We have only one another to rely upon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And unfortunately, like that conversation doesn't get to doesn't get to continue because John shows up. Manic John. <laughs> My boy, Chris. He's waving a gun. He's he's giggling, and uh, we get a standoff between him and Chris once again. Chris is unarmed, but Talon is not. No, uh, and, and this is actually the scene I was talking about earlier when when John is like he he, he threatens Chris with the gun. But then he just like wanders around and like walks right in front of him. The, the guy we know has been able to snap people's necks. Only Sebations. Okay, I guess Sebations are a bit weak in that regard. But <laughs> yes, he says something and Talon pops a, a big sentry gun out of the ceiling. Talon? Intruder. P- points it at John, who immediately uses Crace as a hostage. Yeah. Just like grabs him, puts a gun to his head and goes like, well, we're going now. This is after... I mean, <sighs> Okay, so I'm still stuck on how brilliantly this script was developed and how Andrew Prowse directed it. When Crichton is once again letting loose on on Crace for kidnapping Talon and betraying their trust, but Crace is unmoved, like he refused to see it in those terms. 
he from his perspective they actually have a lot of common ground like if you look at the the shot with with John and 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 Crace it's incredibly symmetrical. Mm-hmm. Like they, there is a great symmetry between them. They both care about Aaron. They both care about talent. They yeah. both want to survive. They both hate the the peacekeepers. Like from Grace's perspective, why are we even talking about like the past? Where in the present, right? We have so much in common. But yeah, John does not so easily let go of uh, what he already knew. No, I mean, like Chris has made a very big swing around. He has indeed completely yeah. embraced the fact that he is not going to, does not have a future with the peacekeepers. And now he's being his manipulative self to try and uh, make the best of it. But that's actually, this. I, I just looked at my notes and I realized there was like something that that is again about this whole shifting loyalties. Because when Chris is talking to Scorpius. He says he doesn't know where John is. Right. When in fact, I'm sitting there going like, oh, "Hang on, he knows exactly where John is because he gave him the coordinates to the uh, oh yes, to the of asteroid. course. Yes, so at, this, at this point, you know that he is already double playing Scorpius. I that he has no, never remembered that. Well no, inten- done. no intention to uh, to actually follow up on delivering John to Scorpius. Okay, that's five <laughs> points. Wow, we completely forgot to resolve how many points you actually scored with the with the quiz spectacular. Very true. I will get back to that, and we'll add another five because that is is great. Well done. I'm going to have to figure out something that you can redeem those points for. It'll be suitably absurd. Don't worry. That sounds like a fantastic way way to spend my uh, fake uh, Farscape points. (laughs) Farscape fun bucks. (laughs) Oh, that's what they are. Uh, okay. Uh, I, also, I also noticed that uh, I was worried, by the way, that we were like we've gotten gone an awful long time in this episode without saying a completely stupid bullshit. All right. I'm glad that we're. I'm glad Here that we we're go. back. Another thing that I noticed when with Crace and uh, Aaron is he still calls her Officer Sun, despite the fact that neither of them is a peacekeeper anymore. Yeah, that's interesting. On uh, Moya, we have Chana and Rigel talking about what to do. They are talking about taking either the pod or taking the Farscape 1 and getting out of here, which is overheard by Pilot. Yeah, he suggests, well, there are transport pods if you want to leave. Pilot's got some snark back. Oh, yes. and you, But I thought the most emotional part of this was like when Pilot is listening to them talking about leaving. And you can just see him going like, mm, you can see his face darkening. And yeah. He, he, like, he look, is this disappointed. Look, yeah, look of betrayal uh, on his face. And then, yeah, he makes that snarky comment. There is a transport pod available should you not wish to accompany us. What? Leave you and Moya? No, we we couldn't. Could we? <clears throat> no. Oh, we'd never consider such a thing. <laughs> we'd never even consider Which it. Which makes I mean, you'd figure out by now that Pilot has ears everywhere, you know? He, yeah. Pilot probably knows whatever, whether or not he's, he's, he's inhabiting his clamshell. He is listening. He's got the DRDs around. He can probably hear everything that's going on. Yep, uh, he's listening all the time. His crew are basically his telenovela that he watches when he's not playing space <laughs> Sudoku with the other pilots and gossiping about the bullshit about the... <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, they, 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 the Leviathans do have a lot of com- intercommunication. So, yeah, I can imagine that they have their little discussion uh, among the various pilots that they have their private communication channels or something. Kind of like the minds are talking in uh, Ian Banks' uh, series. Uh, when, oh, when, yes. When, when they're always having conversations. Uh, oh, that's brilliant. Or the, or the little sort of AI speakeasy in uh, Altered Carbon. Oh, yes. Uh, there's, a, there's a cool walk and talk scene between uh, Scorpius and his lieutenant yeah. in, a, in a PK hallway. 
I really like this setup. They're they're in silhouette. You don't see their faces while they're delivering some more exposition. I wasn't even really listening. I was just looking at this scene because you've got two two peacekeeper like infantry in the foreground, and one is like uh, patrolling and makes a turn. Like it it suggests like this the sheer scale of these command carriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see another gorgeous gorgeous shot of the asteroid field where Moya has now arrived. Hey, did you notice that Moya looks a little different, by the way? I found it hard to tell. Occasionally, I wasn't sure whether I was looking at Moy or Italian uh, in in some of the shots. Ah, uh, uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Things are things are different. Uh, the, the CGI production houses has changed. That was Garner McClellan in the in the first season, and then it moved over to Animal Logic in the second. It was a these kind of shifts tend to be kind of acrimonious and problematic. It's usually like uh, uh, breaking a contract like that yeah. is usually fraught with uh, uh, mutual distrust and acrimony. But this in case, it was perfectly like amenable. So all the models were handed over. But Animal Logic has its own, had its own software. So they read it, all the textures and yeah. the lighting is, uh, is different. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's a, uh, a living ship. So you could expect her to grow and change a little bit over time. Oh, there so you that's go. a good way to smooth out those little discontinuities. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly, Talon does. Uh, yeah, having just arrived at the uh, at the asteroid field, in like having charted a course that supposedly is undetectable to the command carrier. Right. Exactly how that works in yeah, space, I don't know. They don't know where it is. It's a big asteroid field, as the lieutenant says. They're uh, approached by a prowler. Yes, Moya is, uh, uh, which is quite worrying until they realize that the prowler is not phoning home. No. There's and seems to want to dock. No communications, no, no which way. Chana is like definitely starting to uh, fray a little bit at the edges. She's clearly nervous, and she, I mean, she's the one who's holding things together. Yeah. Rigel is being Rigel's on is being useless, and it, it all comes on uh, poor little Chana's shoulders, who runs to the. Uh, the, the hangar bay yeah. with the, with her gun and with oh hey some of the some of the armed militarized DRDs are yes. helping her out as well. As the doors open, she keeps them uh, them under cover. And to triumphant music, John walks in. But the music is almost immediately interrupted when she yells at at him like in mistrust, like you stand right there. Who are you? Yeah. And then wow. he has to like explain that like no, it's me. And look who I brought. I brought Chris. Uh, throws him to the ground where he immediately gets. Uh, a- attacked, quote-unquote, by one of the DRDs, who just kind of, like, sits at his head. And uh, Chiana yeah, still has... a little has, gun uh, to his head. Chiana still has a hard time believing that they're actually back. Oh, it uh, takes her a little while to, to let her guard down again. But she, when she does, she, like, shows her feline heritage with this ginormous leap through the air. This fantastic cat leap! Yeah. Like, legs and arms in the air, chest first. He has yes. to catch her. It's a great leap. And she's so happy to see him again. But once again, it took a wee while... Have you noticed how nobody has been just unabashedly happy to see anybody else no. after they've come back from the, from everybody the dead? Everybody is nervous. Everybody is Aaron scared. Everybody is unsure of what's going on. Nobody gets the, the happy reunion and then we'll work things out. No, there's, there's lots of shifting loyalties and suspicion between various people, like what's going on, who's doing what, whom can we trust. Uh, and who, who are they? Yeah. Everyone has changed a lot in, in the mere days, maybe weeks since we last saw them. Uh, John goes to see uh, uh, Zan. Who is still losing it. She Maybe this is just... Just how the Delvian seat goes. I mean, she's she, standing there with crystals right. now. But she thinks that she's talking to John's ghost, that yeah. he's dead. And like, oh, you'll always be with me in spirit. And like, no, I'm with you in the flesh. And yes, of course you are, dear. You'll <laughs> always be real to me. Yes, your spirit is with me. The flesh is unimportant. Yeah, it's kind of important. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh, 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 I'm not dead? She <laughs> thinks I'm dead. I'm real. Yes, John. You always will be to me. 
Yes. He talks to Chiana like, yeah, she's been like this a while. We don't know. Is this normal? Uh, and, and he asks Chiana, like, is this normal for the Delvian Seek? Just you've met more Delvians than so I, have. I have. Yeah. You think that's a help? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was fantastic. No, like, it does not make it any clearer the matter. They're like a weird bunch, the Delvians. Uh, In general, they are. I mean, this is what I love about Farscape. Like, they're not just aliens. They're all aliens to each other. True, yeah. It's not like, I mean, they know, know more about each other, but it's more that they know what they don't know. And therefore, they accept other aliens more as, yeah, it's an alien. They do things differently. Yeah. Uh, and they don't suddenly know everything about each other. They're just like more accepting of the fact that everybody's different, I guess. Chiana had probably never heard of Luxons, Delvians, humans. Sebastian, she maybe heard probably about. Probably as peacekeepers, she, yeah. Well, she was traveling with, uh, with Durka, but the peacekeepers didn't seem to be aware of the Navari. Mm. True. Right, which is a a powerful military force considering that they defeated the uh, yeah. the Zelbinian. So, like, everyone's everyone's alien to each other. Dargo is losing uh, rock, paper, scissors to himself. He turned it into a, a Pachance game. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is an interesting thing. I, I don't know whether it has been established yet. Like, the writers seem to think that it has. Uh, Luxons have lots of redundancy. They have two of everything. Oh, like, okay. He talked in the past about uh, my hearts are private places. Mm. But they also have two brains. Oh. So he's actually capable of playing rock, paper, scissors with himself and surprising himself. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't catch that. But he's yeah, got you a see, bicameral he's, mind. He's yeah. just sitting there going, one, two, three, and he's holding oh. up two rocks. And goes, damn. <laughs> it's a surprise, yeah. yes. He doesn't know what his brains are going to choose. It is John who goes back to there to pick him up, to get him to join the crew again. John returns to the, the asteroid where he left Dargo and uh, Aaron. Aaron apparently refuses to play rock, paper, scissors. That's why he has to play with himself. Right, I guess so. Uh, informs them that, uh, that Moya has arrived and, uh, and welcomes them back on. But Moya's arrival has not gone unnoticed. No. Because just as Aaron's rescue of John and Dargo uh, had been noticed and permitted by Scorpius, the arrival of the Leviathan has also been noticed and permitted. Yes, uh, Scorpius is, uh, tell, tells him to hold back, but get ready to uh, leap in on them and make a rush for them as soon as they uh, uh, present themselves in a uh, tactically favorable light. Uh, presenting themselves are uh, John and Dargo, who make it up to the command to find a gasping Rigel. Uh, well, he starts gasping after he sees John and Dargo. He's, he's, he seems almost happy, like he has a little Hynerian breathing problem, which is brought on by too much excitement, I believe, or something like that, yes. or strong emotions. Ira, are you not well? You got a frog in your throat? You need a Hynerian Heimlich. Which he actually starts doing. He, he grabs uh, uh, Rigel from behind and starts, like, making him heave. Aaron uh, is still very distant here. Yes. She walks in, like, Pilot greets her, and, and he, like, she greets him back and immediately asks, like, how's Talon? I guess it's good to see you again. How's the... Uh, I guess Pilot can probably appreciate her business-like manner a bit more than the others, but yes, she's still very focused on talent. Mm. And Dargo is just happy to be back. He's, this is where he, you, you get this gorgeous shot of, of him being handsome and standing there yeah. like, with his bright eyes. And I, th- I guess which is, I'm looking at this now and I see what you mean. He, his, his skin looks a little bit healthier, I suppose. It looks like it's, he's got good circulation and it's, it looks less like a, a mask. A lot less, yeah. yeah. I think it's also been upgraded to uh, uh, Hot Flesh, the new material. Right. Was, was being that must be a pain, considering the amount of hair that he's, they have to stick onto that. I don't know whether those are, are appliques. They, it, seems to be, it seems to be real hair. That's one of the things that you often make wigs out of. And yeah. basically, like, it's a face wig. Yeah. I don't think it's... Oh, God, is that an up-top merkin? 
an opt what a face wig do you know what American is no oh that's a short and curly's wig for your private parts oh dear uh, no the, the <laughs> I mean I assume that they have like beard wigs of course they do they have fake beards like the, the oh yes ma- of course that's what it's called it's a fake, fake beard, beard yeah. yeah okay but he has a, he has a particular pattern but yeah it all ties together a lot better like it used to be. I was not a fan of Darko's look in the first season. I've been really looking forward to his little glow up. Oh, okay. Because, uh, like, even his uh, his beard hair, it's a, it's a little more more mousy brown. The tonality fits together, and it really brings out his eyes. It's, yeah, it's always been fantastically groomed. But, yes, his eyes are just, like, so bright and white and so expressive and yeah, exciting. Yeah, he, he casts a more, like, color-cohesive hole, even with his crimson, especially with his crimson uniform. Yeah. John goes have a chat with Pilot. To yes. see what's going on. Yes. So you said that the you remarked that they're back to the small set of yeah. of pilot because they're not showing the huge cavernous CGI right. space. But I noticed that we're actually seeing over pilot's shoulder, and there's actually like a walkway and a, there and is. a door, and a, like there is a yeah. That, no, you're right. It could be shot in a way that it hides the fact that there's this big cavernous room. Okay. So the. Hey, can we summarize? Yeah. The plot continues to develop because there is so much in here. We can we can like recount it beat by beat. But honestly, I'm much more interested in these characters than the, uh, than the specifics of the of the plot. So uh, like we're extending the treaty of Mintaka right. three. Everybody seems to be at least at a low level suspicious of, of each other. Yeah. Even though there's not really a uh, they have to get to know each other for that. again. Yes. Which, you know, is appropriate for a season opener. We have to get to know them as well. We have to Mm. understand how these relationships were. And it's kind of a cool choice to make everyone re-earn their relationships with each other. It makes sense, yeah. You know, very few of them come in with the same kind of relationship that they had before. I think the only one that is really unchanged, I was going to say Aaron and Talon, but I think Crace and Talon as well, like, we ended the season thinking that he kidnapped Talon. Right. But there seems to be some genuine affection there. Or, or at least know. he's managed to insinuate himself into a young and impressionable right. Leviathan. Yeah. Eren goes to check up on Zahn, who is playing Beat Saber with her crystals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, she's got, a, she's got a singing crystal with which she's Beat Sabering the, the bell. Talking again about how she detaches herself from worldly concerns and she's on the seek. Yeah, she doesn't concern herself about this anymore and I'm just like going to sit here and do my thing and you can all just bugger off and take care of it yourself. And Aaron says that's incredibly <laughs> selfish. <laughs> wow. Well, I think that's um, really selfish, actually. You know, before you bliss off completely into oblivion, you might want to have a little look around you because Moya and Talon are in danger. Worldly concerns do not interest me now. Oh, really? Well, then don't give me any dren about how much you love me. Love in its most rarefied sense. Too rarefied for me. I'm just an ignorant warrior who believes that love means you're willing to fight and die for your fellow living beings. And she just waves it off with her crystal. There's a, I noticed there's a bit of a discordant note in her yeah, crystal movement have the piece at that anymore. point. No, she definitely does not. So uh, don't tell me you love me. Oh yeah, that was that was a bit I didn't I didn't really love uh, or I didn't really appreciate earlier when Aaron walked in. Uh, Zan said, "I love you." You what? I love you. Oh yes, I did hear it the first time, and you know what? I I I love all living beings. 
And Aaron jumped up. Oh, whoa, no, that's weird. A bit of gay panic there. Oh, that, yeah, that seems a bit weird. That's like Zahn would have all... That, it seems very Zahn to say that to, to anybody anyway. She's she always follows it very, up with, I love all of you. Yes, which is, again, a bit, a little bit weak in that regard. Like, no, I love everybody and everything. Yeah, this sort of felt like a Zahn and Dargo moment, but... What I didn't... Uh, speaking of Dargo, what I didn't understand is why Dargo would go and talk to Christ. Because, like, Dargo is, like, joined Christ, uh, sitting in front of his cell back to the door uh, talking to Krace about what's going on. I think that the last time that Dargo left Krace in a cell, someone let him out onto the bridge and eventually like he, he kidnapped uh, uh, Talon. Yeah. I think he's just guarding Krace in his cell. Oh, he doesn't trust sense. the rest of his crewmates to keep a prisoner yeah. in prison. Yeah, they have a little bit of a heart-to-heart. And like... Chris really seems to have changed. He's chill, right? He is. He's very he's calm and collected and a little bit uh, of his usual smug self, but also he's not malicious, I noticed. Yeah. Nothing in what he does, he's he has genuinely given up on his crazy crusade against John. He does not yeah. hold him any when when he says that in the uh, towards the end of last season, it sounds like he's just saying it. Yeah. But it, it clearly, it's clearly shown here that he actually believes it. He's like he's accepted the fact that it was an accident and that like John is not to blame, and he doesn't seem to hold any lingering resentment towards John whatsoever. Yeah, for me, watching it the first time, it was even this revelation: he never believed John was to blame. It was an emotional outlet that he needed. Yeah. That he no longer needs because he's given up on the like he held this this paradox of loyalty and commitment to this uh, to the peacekeepers peacekeepers who conscripted him and who took him from his parents whom he whom he hates Uh, I don't know if Stockholm syndrome applies but like he institutionalized himself and now that he's released himself or has been released from the peacekeepers he's no longer living with this unresolvable paradox. And so he's sitting there talking to to Dargo, and yes, he's he's smug and in control. He is a he's a captain. He's earned his command. He does not hate Dargo. He does not hate or blame anyone here for anything. Mm. He doesn't even blame uh, Crichton for uh, kidnapping him and once again kissing him. <laughs> yes, Crichton's seems, kissing a lot of. He's, he's a real he's, kissy boy. He's very he's gone very affectionate. Yes, the still command, doesn't count yeah. as an extra alien because he's just another that's another relation. The command carrier, on the meantime, is starting to make a rush for uh, both Moya and Talon. Yes. Uh, Scorpius gives the order. Still in his... Oh, I don't know whether they're in his boudoir or on the on the, on the the command. No, I think it's still in uh, what used to be uh, Crace's boudoir, just minus some Hyderian right. heads. Yes, uh, and because Talon is making a run for it. Talon is rushing out of the asteroid field. Moya is chasing him. And Talon actually rolls out his gun and takes a pot shot at Moya. To everyone's surprise. Yes, like, like Rigel, oh, great, he's finally arming his cannon, shoot the peacekeepers. Yeah, no, he shoots Moya. Talon says that was a warning shot. He's sending Moya a demand. What's he want? A captain. Talon's afraid. He doesn't know what to do about the approaching command carrier. Oh, like we do? Uh, stay away, mom. You're not my mom. There is a bit of that. I mean, there's a there are some strong like allegories going on here for what is Talon feeling. Nobody really fully understands him. Although Chris and Aaron apparently are very capable of understanding exactly what Talon is saying. When they're standing on the bridge, they can hear the, he makes the, 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 he oh, makes yes, the sounds. Can, and they understand they perfectly what he's saying. They can yeah. speak with his, they speak his language. Yeah. I guess it's 
maybe like it's a peacekeeper communications protocol that they understand. Could be, yeah. They can speak in uh, whatever their observation languages are. Yeah, they fire up the uh, uh, shield that they got from the Zalbinian, uh, which immediately gets destroyed by the first shot. Uh, that, oh, yeah, uh, boy, Talon uh, just bats it aside. Like yeah, a- it's like a single glancing shot and the shield goes fritzing out. It's like big explosions on the uh, in control where the unit is apparently uh, housed. A couple of buckets of confetti get thrown over the back end. Yes, you saw that. Like, there's there's an explosion, and it's very clearly some dudes back there with buckets of debris, debris, debris. Oh, See, I'm still stuck in like admiring the uh, the production because realizing that they were that they made these sets in a shed this time. It wasn't yeah. even a soundstage, and probably for for every one of these these sets, which you only ever see in one direction, like the other direction is not finished. These actors had to perform while there was I don't know seagulls outside or rain on the roof. Mm. Does it rain in Australia? Of course, no, no. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> From time to time, <laughs> uh, uh, when it uh, rains, it pours. Yes. But they all have theatre experience. Okay, like that makes all, sense, yeah. They're all quite used to standing on stage and like looking out at an entire audience and pretending that they're not there, uh, yeah. like dealing with the, the I mean, air conditioning. And I, all I suppose that that's part of being an actor anyway, because there's always like the cameras and everything. There's always the fourth Screen wall. Screen actor, yeah, yeah. There's always the fourth wall, which you have to like ignore or at least imagine to be the, the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, the fourth wall, which is usually not built. Yes, <laughs> on a on a on an otherwise convincing uh, uh, convincing this, set. There's this hilarious uh, scene from I think it's the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I think it's an outtake or at least uh, something that wasn't never made it into production. But like, yeah. Will Smith is sitting there at some point and goes, "If we're so rich, how come we can't afford a ceiling?" And you get get a shot where you can see all the stage lights <laughs> hanging. <and everything. laughs> yeah. uh, because Talon has made a demand. He wants someone aboard, and he not wants just anybody. He wants Chris. What? He said he wants Grace. He can't have him. Pilot, get that boy on the phone. He's unwilling to discuss it further. He says he'll fire upon us unless we agree to return Grace now. Why? Aaron, I mean, yeah, Aaron goes, I'll go. And then, like, Pilot goes and wants Grace. Yeah. Uh, so they decide to go together. Uh, she decides to accompany Grace. He gets uh, escorted out of his cell with, again, like a beautiful smug look of him. Yeah. John and Grace are standing, again, really close to each other. Yeah, the sparks are flying between them. And more sparks are flying between John and Aaron when they leave. They have this scene where, like, last time we uh, we stood here, we didn't get to say goodbye or something. And they have No, a, they chose not they to. They chose not to. That's it, right. And I think that was a sort of reflection of, like, the last time that they parted ways was in A Human Reaction. Right. Uh, when the wormhole showed up and John left. And do you remember how he was saying goodbye to everyone? Mm. And Aaron didn't say anything. Yes. And he tried and she didn't say anything. She, she blanked him, yeah. She couldn't, she wouldn't, I no. don't know what. But so the next time that they parted, I think he respected that. Yes. He didn't make her say it. He didn't say goodbye, didn't expect it from her. He, but, he showed his respect through that. Yeah. And this time again... Now when, they do, though. And Aaron said, it wasn't goodbye, so let's hope history repeats. Yes, that it's not, not going to be goodbye this time either. Speaking of repeating, the new boyfriend and the, and the old boyfriend, if you want to take that metaphor, John takes Chris aside and tells him, if you harm Talon or Aaron... Because if you hurt either one of them, I'm going to hunt you down. You hunt me down. <laughs> that would complete the symmetry... Nicely, wouldn't it? Yes. 
So on uh, Talon, uh, it turns out that Talon immediately starts poking some weird robo-tentacle out of the floor, something hand or the other. Uh, yes, Crace recognizes it with some amazement as what he calls the hand of friendship, the greatest honor a peacekeeper leviathan, clearly he knows something yeah. about how they're designed, right. can bestow upon its, uh, its captain. Yeah, it's its mechanical tentacle. This was actually a prop that was built for Jotheb. Do you remember the right. uh, the fellow prisoner with the space orcs? Yes, that was one of his tentacles that oh, was uh, okay. uh, that was used, and it's like, got this little disc thing with the prongs on the end. Uh, yep. There's a little bit of moment of confusion. Who's it for? And it turns out that it is for Crace. Uh, and Crace says, "I humbly accept." Yeah, and then. The literal hand of friendship, you noticed right, it, rises yes. out of the ground. They, they, they try to cover it up with a little puff of uh, smoke and anything, but you can actually see someone holding that prop. Yes. Like, <laughs> there's a little bit of a gaff there. It's fine. Like, it's literally called the hand of friendship, which is then plunged into the back of Crace's neck. Yep. Uh, uh, and it's apparently a neural interface, which allows him to like experience all that uh, Natalin sees and does and feels, his guns, his sensors, his Directly communication his system. Yep. And he tells Aaron, uh, the deal is off. We don't need you. Yep. Aaron is astonished, shocked, a little bit heartbroken. Yeah, yeah, a little bit heartbroken, heartbroken. as well, yeah. Because yeah. I, I guess she considered herself a little bit of Talon's godmother after she got the honor of naming him. And yeah, now, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And now she's being shuffled aside. And she came along specifically to, like, yeah, diminish like, the harm that, uh, yes, that we, Grace can do. They said, like, we agreed to have joint command of Talon, and uh, Grace is going, like, I altered the deal. Pray I don't hold oh. for it any further. Talon chose otherwise. True. Fair enough. Yeah, no, that, that, at least that's, have, what, he, that's no, what he says. Yeah, no, Talon, Talon chose otherwise. Yes. Grace, we were going to share command of Talon. Talon. Chose otherwise. There's a brief scuffle. Quite a scuffle, actually, in which uh, yeah, fair. Grace and uh, Aaron have a good little slug out between the two, and they're, they're pretty well matched. I would have thought that uh, Aaron would be able to uh, overpower Grace without too much trouble, but apparently his military training is uh, still taken hold, and they have a good little punch-up between the two. Uh, Talon tries to get involved with his sentry gun. Yeah, uh, now I wasn't sure whether that was Talon or whether that was Crace who oh, actually is good, able to... Very good point. I hadn't considered that. Yeah. Nor nor I. Like, he doesn't seem to be focusing on it, but, uh, uh, yeah, they... Uh, Aaron tries to tell Talon that she's not his enemy, and Crace says, yes, we know that. We mm. are of one mind. We want you off here, so yeah. you have 50 white worlds. You go now, yeah. But again, he's not malicious. He's not like he could easily, uh, he could have easily killed could her. Have killed he could have killed her, like, could have kidnapped her. Could have, yeah, but he's just like, no, okay, you just go your way and I go mine. Yeah. Uh, so she returns with the prowler back to Moya, which is still in hot pursuit of the command carrier. Uh, the sorry, the other, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 no, I get you, I yeah, get you. The is in pursuit, and it's arming its frag cannons, and uh, uh, Scorpius is ordering them to uh, uh, fire when... when As soon as they get in range. Crace does one last little uh, a little tour towards Scorpius. Right, he resigns his commission. Uh, this will be my last uh, update. Yeah. The gunship is secured, and I am resigning my peacekeeper commission effective immediately. Crace... Cease this nonsense. As for Crichton. I have killed Crichton. I killed him with my bare hands. My brother is avenged. Right, yes. He's a, he, wow, that was cool. It was, at, at that moment, you like think maybe he's trying to help him, Crichton. He's covering for, for Crichton, He, he yeah. is covering Crichton, but yeah. Also taunting Scorpius and... Uh, right. But Scorpius doesn't buy it, because as soon as that little decommissioning ceremony, I can probably call it, is over, <laughs> uh, Scorpius goes like... If Grace had killed Crichton, he wouldn't tell me. 
because it would frustrate me more not to know. But no, but even then, it's um, if even if he had killed Crichton, he would still not say it because then uh, Scorpius would still be trying to go after Moya and not after him. Yeah, that yeah, would be, it would make no tactical sense either. Exactly, yeah. that's why he decides like it's fake. His force is still alive because he wouldn't. Yeah, he, he wouldn't tell me that unless, of, you know, of course, he was gambling on the fact that Scorpius uh, didn't think that he was uh, would be that insightful. But yeah, that he okay. Yeah, it's like but <laughs> you think that, he knows. You think he knows exactly. But like, you know no, with, Scor- you, with Scorpius, you lose that game. You know, Scorpius is 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 the is <laughs> Scorpius is established as the tactician and the planner. He's, he's like the Grand Admiral Thrawn of farscape wow that is a that not is a, that not that good but that's what how he's always being portrayed like he, he he sees through disguises he sees through motivations he's he immediately knows what people are up to uh, uh yeah and he's a uh, racially impure in this case among an extremely oh, that's, racist right that's uh, species yeah. exclusivist organization yeah so yeah the leviathan's both Starburst. Hey, turns out much, Talon can Starburst as well. Yes, much to uh, Scorpius' chagrin, who demands of his lieutenant that his uh, tech person told him that uh, there would be at least an arm before Talon would be able to do that. And uh, Send him to me so yes. I may educate him. Right, a little bit of uh, re- retraining. <laughs> See, up to this point, I was really impressed with Scorpius's command style versus Krasis. Yeah. Like, his treatment of uh, uh, this lieutenant, played by David Franklin, is compassionate, flirty he's a bit of a mentor he's a bit of a threat uh-huh. he's, he's he's guiding him he's praising him it's very different than the relationships that the Grace has he never menaces the uh, the lieutenant he never no. never makes him feel threatened until now a little bit and it's not directed at the, no, at the lieutenant although like, he has to stand at attention speaking of standing at attention i noticed that still erin uh, still whenever she's around Grace, she still has the Straight posture, yes, straight shoulders. Right. Uh, that's still apparently so deeply ingrained into her that uh, she still does that, despite the fact that he, he is clearly no longer her commander. Yeah, the only time that changes is on the command of uh, uh, right. on the command of Boya. Like, I, it, it's literally <laughs> what I wanted to say. I, I, I shame myself when she reaches up to, to touch his ceiling and, yeah. uh, uh, and and speak to him. That's the only place where it changes. But yeah, that oh oh. Speaking of changes, Darko uh, and Zan have a little heart to heart. Yeah, Zan uh, admits that she realizes that it was quite selfish of her. And that um, she's going to delay her uh, seek. Whatever that means. Yeah. They're actually the only ones who seem to just be happy to see each other. I'd now that so. all, this, yeah. all this crisis is over, like they've always had a, a special relationship. Like they understand each other in a way that nobody else understands each other. I mean, it's very casual kind of yeah. their relationship. I mean, yeah, I mean, Zan is always very casual with people. Uh, less casual is John and Aaron, who are having a little cuddle in Pilot's Den. Yeah. Aaron is leaning back towards John, and they're both uh, sitting against uh, Pilot's console. Yeah, he's uh, tugging at her hair, grooming her for ticks, I guess. <laughs> it's that kind of season. Well, when you've, when you've been abroad, you want to come back and have your, uh, yes, have your hair checked. You might have carried some, uh, caught some command carrier fleas or something. Cootie. Command carrier cooties, it was right there. Yes, sorry. How did you miss it? Okay. <laughs> oh. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a, 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 a touching, tender moment that they're having there. Holding her from behind, kissing her on the face. Like, yeah. It was actually telegraphed earlier on when, when John was back on the asteroid and uh, like rhetorically asked Aaron, like, how many times have we saved each other? A yeah. bunch of times. And how many times have we been close? And she well, looks over at Darko and says, just the one. Just the one. Like, no, I meant like emotionally. Oh, like friend close. <laughs> yeah. Right. And how many times have you and I been close? Just the once. No, 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 no
Oh, um, friend close. Yes. Um, uh, um, more than once. She looks very embarrassed to admitting that in front of Darga that they had Come a on. yeah, but they seem to be back to uh, being good, good intimate friends, I suppose. I was honestly a little bit surprised by this because like this kind of physical uh, uh, closeness was not how we left them the last time. They, no. they weren't cuddling buddies before. I this. guess not. I mean, it, it started with the, the hand touching when they were uh, saying not goodbye in the uh, shuttle bay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, especially uh, contrasting with the beginning of the episode where she's being very distant. And I guess that's uh, explained by her being in two minds about uh, her betrayal or her at least duplicity. the, de- yeah, the yeah. deal that she made with uh, Grace. Yeah. So that seems to make sense. But yeah, they seem to be quiet and yeah. And they, and they discuss like their worries and their hopes. Like they don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with Talon. They don't know what their, their future is, is going to be like. Maybe it won't be so bad for Talon. Maybe Talon will kick Grace off. Right. Uh, when he, when he grows up a little bit, yeah. Maybe Grace won't mistreat him. Yeah. They, they just don't know. I mean, I don't think he will. I mean, Grace knows which side his bread is buttered on. And he does seem to have a genuine concern and uh, uh, rapport with uh, Talon. I mean, like I said before, he's very much uh, been involved in Talon's creation, let's call it that. Uh, he knows a lot about peacekeeper uh, leviathans, so I guess he is going to do what it takes. And like, I mean, even in the beginning, he's trying to comfort uh, Talon when he's like being bombarded by the radio signals. And yeah, it's you can see how it's all motivated from a certain selfish interest. But I don't think he will go as f- so far as meet Street Talon. It, it seems like okay, okay, okay. I am introducing a a new segment. Cradle your crystal balls and give me your predictions because what you're doing right now is absolutely great. So <laughs> I think you have probably. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to figure out the math, but you've probably got at least 50, maybe even 75 points to uh, uh to yeah. sort of invest. Here cuz here's what I'm going to do. Oh. You can make these predictions and we're going to sort of we can treat it like the way we've done before, like if the prediction is uh, uh, comes true, then you get 10 points, you come close, you get you okay. get 5. But I'm going to let you wager some points okay. as well and see if you can like and you So can, wager on so I I have to you can double like, or make, make yeah. a prediction and uh, put some points on it. Yeah, you put 25 in, you get 50 if you get it right. Okay, so what am I supposed to make a prediction on? We've got to figure this out as we as we go along. This All is right. a, this is a brand new game. I'm not actually much of a gambler, so I don't know how gambling games usually go. Okay. So well, maybe you can help me out. Well, okay, I'll, I'll wager 10 points on that next time we see Talon and Kreis, mm-hmm. he is going to have gathered something of crew, maybe only a few people, but mm-hmm. uh, and he is uh, he is basically up to something. I mean, like, he's, like, he, he's scheming something. He's doing something which is yeah, re- yeah, re- yeah. requires uh, Talon. He's either using Talon's power or trying to muscle his way into something. He's, like, he's gathered with a few crew members. Uh, do you want to make that one wager or do you want to split it up? Oh, uh, I was Because you're, you're putting a lot on, like, these, these well, ones. Only, so. It was only 10 points, but, you know. Okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. So you've got, you've got a crew and, uh, got and, a, a, and a... He's got a crew and a plan. Uh, okay, he's, yep. And he's, like, uh, and they probably come across it... Yeah, when they're doing something on their own, there's there's probably going to be some sort of thing that they need from somewhere, and who shows up? It is going to be uh, uh, Talon. Oh, this uh, is great! I'm just realizing now that as as you're making these predictions, eventually I could I could make you write a whole episode (laughs) (laughs) of what might have been. Okay. Uh, Do you? Yes. I thought it was a fantastic first episode for a new season. It was like it's so nice to be back, right? Very much. uh, Yeah. Uh, It's very. It was very 
thinky episode, I suppose. I mean, there was like quite a bit of action, but a lot of it is like who's doing what, who's planning what, who's loyal to whom. It's all talk. What are we going there's, to? There's like yeah. two. There's two tussles, but they're over in a in a in a flash. There's some beautiful shots of the exterior. There's not like a pitched space battle. There's not a, a, a long chase. It's like everybody's talking, uh, hiding things from each other, lying to each other, peeling back the layers of, of motivation. I thought it was brilliant. So, Willie or Woody? She gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. We're back in a new season, so this is to uh, to clue everyone in. Every episode, we talk about what we loved, what gave us a, a what gave us a, a what gave us the Willies, and what gave us a Woody. That's the one, and I almost gave, got it wrong myself. So I'm glad we <laughs> re-explained it there. My Woody definitely goes to Dargo's glow up. Ah, he looks fantastic. He does. His new foundation color really works for him. <laughs> Brings out his eyes. Actually, uh, I noticed a little bit of a change in in Zan as well. So she's got some more eyeliner. I think it makes her eyes a little bit darker. Okay. So is her iris stand out a lot more. She's wearing the contacts, uh, the, mm-hmm. so that makes it uh, all well-lit and uh, shiny all the time. Okay, I think my Woody would probably just go to the plot, basically. The whole... An unconventional confu- the, the, choice the, the from whole, Mr. K. Right, yeah. the whole confusion, like what I just said, like who's betraying whom, who's in, in cohorts with what, who's trying yeah. to, who, who's trying to play, what, what game is everybody's playing? Uh, There's a lot to unpack from and here. And there yeah. is, yes. Uh, let's see. Do I have a willy? Oh, I've got mine. All right, go on then. The hand of the hand of friendship. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, well, that was, that's unsporting. Like, of course was, it's great. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's really the first time I've noticed such a big... See, I bet you on, on, on original television you wouldn't even have noticed because yeah. like old CRT televisions, the 4x3 era, yeah. they had overscan. So you wouldn't see like the bottom like three rows of pixels. So it would probably be even harder to see that hand. Okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. it would be cropped out and we're seeing the, the, the full, 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 full screen. Okay, yeah. But like I said, I don't think I've noticed any other obvious production mishaps like that in the series so far. This is really the first time that I've... Yeah, that one quite clearly jumps out that that you're seeing just someone holding that prop. I retract my willy. I don't even want to. I really (laughs) enjoyed that because I like this theatricality. I actually don't have a willy to give. There was... There, were, there was nothing that creeped me out. There was nothing that, that bothered me. Oh, no. His, uh, his glow stick, Scorpius' oh. glow stick in the head. Like, yeah, that was a bit weird. That uh, effect, the, the fact that it comes like turning, that it's mincing up his brain. It as it, of course, it's not mincing up his brain. It's got, like, it's got it's, chunks it's, of brain. It doesn't. It's got chunks of brain on it when it's, when it's, when it's oh, all Oh, it did look a bit wet. Yes, that's right. Uh, oh. But, oh, yeah. I don't think I have. Did I have any willies? No. I mean, it's all good plot points. Uh, Special effects were great. Acting was great. There was nothing that gave me the willies in this episode, I suppose. Actually, okay, yeah, I do have one. And that is my my sense of, like, unsurety of where we are, what everyone is up to. Like, yes, mm-hmm. it's it's great, but that also gave a lot of tension. Because there are some, some hints that the crew on Moya have had some adventures in the meantime. Rigel talks about that the planets in this area have not been very hospitable. Not that any planet in this vicinity was very hospitable. No. <sighs> Paladin. Paladin and Moya didn't abandon us during Sand's trial. Uh, yeah, but that could have just been a, like a more generic speaking. I mean, we don't know how far away they starburst and how they even got back, if that was another starburst or not. And Zan talked to John when she thought it was a ghost that she uh, was sorry for yelling at him, which she did at some other point oh, yes. on Litigara when she apparently hallucinated John. But Litigara, don't think that I've been there, but I'm here now. 
Yeah, of course he doesn't know about that. I was never there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I might have a wheelie anyway, because I think it was a little bit of the the, the way... <laughs> Why do we name it like this? <laughs> because of that sh- yeah. one, one scene in the episode, I don't know. Um, where it, it basically the, the way where Kreis um, is interacting with, um, with Tallinn, how he's kind of like ah. being a little bit manipulative and trying to ingratiate himself or at least paint himself as the good parent in a uh, in messy divorce, you know? I think yeah. that, that, that was a little bit creepy. Or the, or yeah. the miscreant uncle or the stepdad. Yeah, something like, like that, is, yeah. It is an, uh, an appealing but also threatening yeah, uh, not male exactly, figure. Not exactly bad-mouthing the other party, but encouraging him to be his own person and, and of course, loyal to him in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exploiting a, a particular desire of a young man for, like, male guidance, affection. Right, yeah. Um, grooming, him, grooming him a little bit, I would uh, say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I think that that's, a very, that's a very valid willy. Okay, shall we name the? See if we can name the episode. Do you oh. have? Any, do you have anything good? Give Grace a hand. Ooh, that, Is that would one. Be, all right, I would like what to. You? I would like to propose gunboat diplomacy. Oh God! <laughs> Season two, knocking it out of the park again. Gunboat diplomacy, well done. And that's the story so far, Scape. We'll see you next week with episode two hundred and two, uh, Vitas Mortis, in where Dargo takes place in a sacred ritual that helps a dying Luxon. During the ritual, the Orican involves a ritual of renewal, drawing from what she thinks is Dargo's strength, and Moya starts to age rapidly. I am so sorry. These are the old, like over-explaining, yes. spoilerific. Uh, uh, we'll we'll do something about it. I'll, I'll get with <laughs> Team Kaki. Come to my aid. I need you. Uh, yes, and if you would like to join Team Kaki or express. Your, your your loyalty to Team K. Uh, you can find us at SoFarscape on Twitter and Facebook. We are SoFarscape wherever you get your podcast and SoFarscape.com. I'm Kaki. I'm K. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. good. <laughs> A lot of practice. <laughs> oh, yeah.